Cloma Roberts by T. Mitchell Adams. Less than an hour of sunlight remained of the day, and for Cloma Roberts that unsettling feeling started to intensify with every passing moment. Her disturbed spirit was caused by the fact darkness was encroaching on daylight, and soon it would be nightfall. Nighttime and darkness were always something she had found disturbing, and one characteristic of her personality which contributed to yet another recently failed marriage, the sixth one to be exact. Her latest ex-husband had regularly insisted on working nights, and the empty house had become much more disconcerting than she could endure. Frank had also insisted on spending his two nights off work gone because he was a vampire killer and people called her the crazy one. The thought crossed her mind often that he was punishing her and for the worst reason of all, tears formed in her eyes as she pushed a shopping cart to her vehicle. She'd lost the baby 11 months ago and her husband had moved out. Divorce soon followed. The baby's nursery was filled with toys, clothes, and boxes of unused, unneeded diapers, which remained in the soundless room. Could it really have been my fault? She placed the groceries in the trunk and slammed it shut. The descending sun glared off the car as she squinted in response, Get home before the darkness comes. A voice in her head told her. Hastily, she looked around for the shopping cart return. It was on the row opposite her. Pushing the buggy forward, a truck honked. She stopped abruptly as the unyielding vehicle went by. She made eye contact with the driver. She saw his youthful face, his eyes roving the curves of her body. Cloma looked away with disdain as the truck seemed to slow and then accelerated with the squealing of tires and white smoke. What a stupid display of masculinity, a voice told her. Yes, it is, she replied to herself. Her body shook internally and threatened to reverberate outward. The punk parked maybe seven or eight parking spaces away toward the entrance of the store. And as she pushed the buggy into its place, she caught sight of him. He was watching her. Turning, she walked hurriedly to her car. Her car keys were in her purse. A voice asked, Why did you put them in there, dear? Shut the hell up, she told herself, and fished for the keys. 
She was awkwardly fumbling for them while walking toward her car. She could hear his footsteps coming closer, closing in on her from behind. Cloma imagined being in an underground parking garage, dark, musty, uninviting, and totally isolated. The thought of that dark place made voices scream out in protest and in need of help. She told them to shush, because doing so might bring unwanted attention from more unsavory people, especially at this time of the afternoon. Cloma imagined them hurting her, then standing in court saying things like, the evil one made me do it, or it was just an uncontrollable desire. I only wanted to give that woman some lovin'. Or they'd get off with a slap of the wrist from the judge, and then there is always the inevitable plea of insanity. That always works for evil people. Cloma walked faster, looking up at the descending sun for comfort, yet there was none to be found. Only more fear was instilled in her. The sun seemed to be moving toward the horizon terribly fast, so rapidly that she may not be able to reach the safety of her home in time. Panic gripped her as she approached the, car, the locked car. It was almost as physically harmful as if the stranger had touched her himself. The items in her purse felt foreign to her. The footsteps behind her grew louder, and she swore the punk with the roving eyes yelled some vulgarity at her. When she reached the car, Cloma was still fishing around in her purse for the keys. They might as well have been buried in a bucket of squid. It was, in fact, soft, colorful gummy worms that had somehow escaped their packaging. She couldn't remember how many packages were in her purse, but it felt like all the little bastards were free. Then, when all hope seemed lost, her index finger made contact with the center of the key ring. She hooked her finger and pulled. Something caught the keys again, and she yanked harder, and they were freed from the gummy worm-infested purse. Cloma almost felt like some feeble, scantily-clad vixen who was running from some hell-bent psycho in the movies. She almost laughed at herself for the image that conjured in her head. She wore no whorish clothing. In fact, she was the perfect picture of a modest librarian or Sunday school teacher. She was the kind of woman, despite being deprived of sex, who didn't care in the least about that. Well, sort of. What she knew precisely was that she, unlike most sexual beings out in the world today, had no desire to fornicate with multitudes of strange men. 
She unlocked the car door, opened it, and got in. Not bothering with the restraint, she turned the car on, placed it in gear. The car lurched backwards. She smiled at the prospect of hitting the demon of a man who sought to do bodily harm to her. Cloma thought for a moment eternal happiness might spring forth in her. If so, there would be a scream of utter delight escaping her lips. All the depressing days would be over. At least that's what she hoped for. She shifted into drive and turned right. She glanced in the rearview mirror. The man was where she'd just been parked. He bent down for a moment. She thought he might be taking in her scent like a bloodhound. When he stood up, he was waving at her. God, that was close, she said. However, there was no time to be thankful. The sun was going down, and soon more of his kind would be walking the streets. She'd have to find a new grocery store to shop at now. This fresh incident demanded that much. Every time there was an incident, she would find a new place to shop. It's a shame. I kind of like that one. Within moments, she guided her car onto the main thoroughfare, just another crazy on the road of life, she said happily. The sun continued its non-stoppable descent. Driving west down Newport Avenue, she tried thinking of something else, but nothing seemed to work. She imagined the man making note of her license plate number, or maybe sprinting back to his truck to follow her. Instinctively, she looked back to see if he was there. Nothing. If he were to follow her now or come ringing her doorbell tomorrow afternoon, making a stop at the tag agency with her tag number, thus gaining her address, what, possi what possibly could or would he say? Hi, sweetness. My name is Decimus. As he'd push his way into her do doorway, he'd say, I'm going to torture you, plant my demon seed, and then send you to hell on the sixth day. With thoughtless angry intent, her foot pressed down further on the gas pedal. The car surged forward in response. Ahead, a stoplight changed from green to yellow and then red. In the mind of Clomer Roberts, the stupid light was not there for her safety at all, and only sought to keep her from reaching the safe confines of her home before nightfall. Ignoring the red light because the setting sun did not permit her the luxury, in the intersection there was a sudden sound of skidding tires, a honking horn, and a flash of headlights. Then she briefly glimpsed the other driver, a young woman in her twenties, 
the mother of a baby who rested in a car seat in the center of the minivan. The baby's face was angelic and impervious to their plight. Cloma mashed the accelerator to the floorboard as she might a bug under her foot. The two vehicles narrowly missed. The mother swerved, lost control, and the van flipped onto its side. As Cloma watched through the rear view, the van slid into a curb. The impact sounded dreadful, and as Cloma continued speeding down the road, she had little time to worry about the van or its occupants. In Cloma Roberts' mind, the mother looked too young. In all probability, she was a single mom and an easy lay. The notion made Cloma angry, and she justified her actions. The baby in the car didn't deserve to be raised in such fashion. If there had been time, it would have only been right for her to go back to the wreck, take the child for herself. She could tell that little bitch to close her legs and stop the reproduction factory. Anyone can make a baby, but not everyone deserves to be a mother. At this point, even if she heard God's voice telling her to take the child, she'd have to decline. It was an option between baby and survival, because the terrifying dark things come out at night and seek to lurk therein for satisfying pleasure. God might try to argue. However, she could always fall back on, you made us creatures of choice. When she came to Newport and Reno, she turned right. Her home was the fifth on the left. She smiled at the reflection the rearview mirror showed and the person it revealed to her. As if in some fairy tale, Cloma saw herself as a child of light that beat an evil dark force. Overhead, she pressed the garage door opener. It started to lift, but then stopped. It was as if the devil himself stripped the gears. Pulling into the driveway, the car's halogen lights shone part way into the garage, and for a moment, Cloma feared she might see feet, then the legs of someone waiting within the garage for her. Daylight was almost spent, but this new problem may cost her. Wearily, she glanced at the houses surrounding her home. They were not the friendliest people to live by. Cloma had needed to call the police on both residences before and more than once. Hell, she'd even had to call the police on the guy on the next street directly behind her home. She didn't really know any of them. Most of what she'd seen was from surveillance cameras which surrounded her home. Her husband had been the one who socialized with them. She'd always hated that, and often told him, Don't let them in my house. Cloma was deeply territorial. Frank had once told her she should just pee on all the furniture.
After being sure it was safe, Cloma opened the car door and got out to investigate the garage. That's when she saw the two young neighborhood children. They stood just at the edge of her property, like two demons held at bay by holy ground. Cloma found it funny it's so often used in movies, when it's only mentioned in the good book twice, once in the New Testament and once in the Old Testament. She uttered profanities at them and the children ran away. Daylight was almost spent now, and a sudden horror took hold of her. What if the sun never returns? She pushed the idea from her mind. They came so fast and so often. Sometimes it was hard knowing what to do. Focus, Cloma, she said. She turned her attention to the garage door and slipped under the partially open section. For a moment, she thought this someone's evil sundown trick, and the door would bite down on her. Then she was past it and on the other side. After a moment, she found the problem. One of the tracks was loose and preventing the roller from going up. On the shelf nearest to the deep freezer, she took the mouse hammer in hand. Blood still covered the ball peen. She used this simple but effective tool to bash in the heads of countless mice and one of the neighbor's cats. She hated killing the feline, but despised the neighbor even more. Cloma pushed the button on the remote. The door went down. She quickly tapped the railing back into place, tightened two bolts, and pressed the remote again. The garage door went all the way up this time. The lesser light of night had taken over. She started to walk back to her car, but froze. Two people were in the street and were almost directly behind her vehicle. She wanted to make a dash for it, but felt certain the intruders would beat her to the car door. What would they do to her then? The people saw her and waved. She stood perfectly still like a deer caught in headlights. She quickly concluded they must not live on her block because people here didn't wave and simply avoided her and vice versa. She didn't want these people in her life. She held the garage door opener in one hand, and the other hand made its way to a small shelf just inside the entrance. With practice precision, she pulled the black cloth away. As it fell to the floor, she picked up the 9mm pistol, which waited for the warmth of an angry hand. The gun felt impossibly alive. The two people seemed to slow as if debating something. The larger of the two, a man, would be the first to die if they dared trespass on her property. The front yard was nothing special to look at. No decorations, garden gnome, flower pots, bird feeder, plants of the like were in the front of the house. 
She didn't want to draw unwanted attention to her home. All of her special things were in the backyard behind a six-foot stockade fence, where rose bushes bloomed, tulips sprang forth, and sunflowers chased the sun, all basking in the glory of daylight as she did. The couple kept moving. She took a deep breath for the first time since spotting them. She would have shown them no mercy had they stopped by firing deadly projectiles into their evil heads. Oh yes, she could pull the trigger. And in some small way, she found herself wanting to. Someday, she would get the chance. Back in the car, she pulled into the garage. With the car still running, she watched as the garage door closed. Then she turned the vehicle off. Her ordeal was over. Still, she knew she was not prepared enough, and that terrified her. City ordinance codes did not allow her to put up a six-foot electrified fence around the perimeter of her home like she had wanted. She tried to reason with them, telling them she needed it for nighttime use only, and that no person in their right mind would be out roaming the streets at night. The bastards had only laughed at her. She gripped the warm handle of the gun and thought how nice it'd be to see that person who'd been on the other side of the phone face to face. She put the first line of defense away on a shelf and picked up the black cloth and covered it up. In the house, her first order of business was going around the house, closing all the curtains and blinds throughout the residence that were still open. Before putting the groceries away, she had to shut those dark eyes of night which peered in at her. Little peeping toms might be lurking about in the shadows. From room to room, she went as fast as she could, but taking care not to leave any peepholes. After putting the groceries away, she cooked dinner. It was nothing fancy, just heated up whole-peeled tomatoes and a fried peanut butter sandwich. As she ate, her bird, a zebra finch, jumped from perch to side of the cage and back with endless energy. Calm down, Millet, Clomas said. The bird didn't listen and continued. The evening went by impossibly fast. By 8.50, she turned on the television to watch her favorite crime show. The real delights came from the news and gave her daily delight and fueled her insight into this sick and twisted world. When the news ended at 10.30 p.m., Clomer retreated to her bedroom with a romantic novel, 
Before getting in bed, she switched on a small display, hit record on a DVR, and got into bed. With everything just right, she started reading. Somewhere in the pages of forbidden passion and erotic lovemaking she'd only dared to read about, Cloma drifted off to sleep. She dreamt, but not of a hero saving her while ravaging her body in the process. In her dreams, she saw herself dozing. Then she woke up at the sound of unknown origins and looked about uneasily. Cloma watched herself focus on the monitor. There on the screen in the darkness, a vehicle's headlights came into view. The car was creeping slowly down the street. Then she saw it was not a car. It was a truck, the same one from the shopping center. She wanted it to keep going, but it stopped in front of her house. Without pulling into the driveway, her stupid neighbors might think him a pizza delivery guy, but Cloma would never order a deep dish pie after dark. Then the truck door opened. The man got out. She watched him from across the street from her home and couldn't see his face. He walked deliberately slow to the sidewalk and up to the driveway. The security light above the garage lit up. He might have been blinded, but didn't hesitate. He walked up to the porch, reached out, and rung the doorbell. Back inside her room, she saw herself watching the monitor. The doorbell rung. Then Cloma woke up and became aware. She looked at her surroundings. The romance novel lay beside her. On the monitor, she saw the view of her front porch and the man that waited. He stood in silence. Despite seeing his hand come up, the sound of the doorbell made her jump. This time was for real. Quickly, she put on her robe raced to the front door. She found her visitor had gone. Being thankful, she turned and walked away, back to the bedroom. She was in the hall when the doorbell rang again and made her jump. Hesitantly, she looked at the door, her eyes focused on the doorknob. She glanced back over her shoulder at the monitor, but she couldn't make anything out. Cloma was frozen by fear. What if the stranger kicked in the door? Pushed for the pistol in the garage. Any sane person would keep one in every room of their house. She questioned her judgment and scolded herself for not purchasing more than two guns. Could she hope to make it to the bedroom, reach under the pillow for the knife, and defend herself? The idea of her leading the stranger to her bedroom was terrifying because she knew what he would want. It's what all men want. Still debating this, 
She heard her she heard her mailbox being lifted up and subsequently closed. This was miserable. Was this rapist an identity thief as well? She heard the dissipating footfalls and then the unmistakable sound of a vehicle's door being slammed shut. With danger avoided, she looked at her watch, 12.20 a.m. Her nightly check of the house was overdue. Going from one room to the next, she checked the windows. They were locked, and no peepholes let in the night's prying eyes. She had to sleep while she could because the alarm would be going off in 45 minutes. The hourly checks would be continued until sunrise. No further incidents took place this night. The dawn of a new day found Cloma awake and brushing her teeth. The thought of last night's visitor mystified her. She'd done nothing wrong, but there was the accident with the minivan the slut, and the baby. Cloma wanted that baby. She wished she could have been the hero. Only a hero would have spared the child from a bad life with that young slut mother. At the kitchen table, she cut an apple as the aroma of coffee filled the kitchen. The checkbook rested on the table. No checks were missing. She must have dropped it in the parking lot yesterday. Why had the pervert in the truck delivered it back to her last night? After the bank opened, she'd have to close the account and open a new one. Cloma survived another night, if only to face another tonight. If the man were to come back, she looked out the window at the garden. The sun's rays brightened the flowers, and she smiled. There is always a place for him with the others and Frank. Hey, this is Mitchell. I just wanted to say I hope you enjoyed listening to Cloma Roberts.